Hello, I'm Faith Rogers, host of today's program, COVID-19, Keeping Up with a Moving Target. This activity is jointly provided by the Postgraduate Institute for Medicine, DKB Med, and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. Today's program is accredited for ANCC and AAPA credit, as well as AMA PRA Category 1 credits. Please visit our website for complete CE information. If you're tuning into our webcast, please click the red Claim Credit button in the webinar console to attest for credit. Otherwise, please visit covid19.dkbmed.com. Today's learning objectives are to review critical illnesses in COVID-19 patients that could require ECMO support, discuss VV ECMO and VA ECMO in the COVID-19 population. This educational activity is supported by independent medical educational grants from Gilead Sciences Incorporated, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, and Eli Lilly and Company, as well as in-kind support by DKB Med LLC. And with us today we have Erin Berry, a nurse at Johns Hopkins Lifeline Critical Care Transport. Erin, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me back again. I'm excited to be here to talk about one of my personal favorite topics is ECMO. And now I get to talk a little bit about what ECMO has been like in COVID. So I wanted to just first start out to discuss some of the critical illnesses that we're seeing in the COVID population that might necessitate consideration of ECMO therapy. So the first one, which is probably the biggest one, is we're seeing a lot of severe ARDS in these patients. So in these patients, the, the acute respiratory distress syndrome, you're having problems with um, specifically oxygenation, but you can also be having problems with ventilation for these patients. So you can be seeing low PaO2s, and you can be seeing high PCO2s. Um, the first things you're going to try to do is you're going to try to optimize your ICU therapies, um, utilizing lung protective ventilation, um, optimizing their PEEP to keep those alveoli open, proning these patients, and then also the use of sedation and paralysis. So you're going to try all those things first for these RZ patients to try and optimize them um, before you would go on to something more invasive like ECMO. And then another type of critically ill patient that we're seeing a lot in COVID is the patient in shock. And there's multiple reasons they could be in shock. So they could have a cardiogenic shock because we're seeing a lot of um, my, like myocarditis type cardiac injury in these patients with elevated troponins and uh, heart function that's just not normal. Could also see distributive shock, which could be related to the cytokine storming that we're seeing, or they could have um, another viral or bacterial infection in addition to the COVID that's causing them to look kind of septic. And then we're also seeing obstructive shock in these patients. They're showing these coagulopathies and they're really high risk for pulmonary embolism. And when these patients are having these significant pulmonary embolisms, it's starting to impact the function of the right heart, causing them to go into um, a shock state. So just like the ARDS patients, you're gonna try and optimize your ICU therapies before you move to um, ECMO for them. You're gonna look carefully at their fluid balance. Um, for the cardiogenic shock, maybe they've gotten too much fluid. Um, obstructive shock, maybe they've gotten too much fluid. Uh, for the distributive shock, they could be fluid down. Um, they could um, also possibly be in a hypovolemic shock state in addition to any of these because of like high fever and fluid losses. So you gotta look closely at their fluid balance and figure out what they need. 
And then um, obviously you're gonna move on to vasopressors and inotropes to try to get that cardiac output and to get that blood pressure up to a place where these patients are perfusing appropriately so they don't wind up going into any type of end organ dysfunction. All right, so you've done all those things. You can't oxygenate, you can't ventilate, you can't get them perfused. So now we look at ECMO. So there's um, the two types, you've got VV and VA ECMO. So VV ECMO is gonna be supportive therapy strictly for your respiratory function. So that's gonna be able to help with that hypoxia and the hypercarbia you're seeing in your ARDS patient that you're just not able to optimize. So the hypoxia is um, going to be corrected with the oxygenator in the ECMO circuit and the hypercarbia is gonna be corrected by the sweet flow for those that know a little bit about ECMO. Um, so the ELSO, that's Extracorporeal Life Support Organization, and they make specific recommendations for ECMO in and out of COVID times. So their recommendations for pulling the trigger on placing a patient on VV ECMO are standing the same as what they would have been um, previous to COVID. So you're looking at your PDF ratio. So your PDF ratio, again, is you're looking at your PAO2 in your ABG versus your FiO2, which is how much FiO oxygen you have them on the ventilator. And then just kind of like to reiterate from a previous presentation, when your P to F ratio is less than 150, that's a sign that you're, you're headed down a pretty um, nasty ARDS path. Um, so this is a P to F of less than 60 for greater than six hours, a P to F of less than 50 for greater than three hours, or if you have a patient who's PCO2 um, is greater than 80 and their pH is great, um, less than 7.2 for greater than six hours. Those are kind of their recommended triggers for um, putting a patient with ARDS on VV ECMO. And there is a little bit of research that's been done so far um, in the short period of time that we've been dealing with patients um, on COVID-19 who might wind up on VI ECMO. There was one study that was done in the Intensive Care Medicine Journal um, and that was a trial uh, related to the STOP COVID trial. And that had shown that there was um, a 34.6% mortality in these COVID-19 patients that were placed on ECMO, and that's a 60-day mortality, versus a 47.7% mortality of patients of similar condition that were not placed on ECMO. And then there was also a study done in the Lancet and that was done from um, pulling information from the ELSO registry that I had mentioned earlier. They keep a really great um, collection of data about all kinds of ECMO patients that facilities that have ECMO programs can upload. So they went back and looked at the patients who had been placed on ECMO that were also COVID positive. And there was a total of 1,035 patients who showed a mortality of about 37%. So to compare that to kind of the, the gold standard, there's um, an ECMO to lung rescue trial that was done. Um, it was a randomized controlled trial and it showed a 35% mortality for patients that were placed on ECMO versus patients that were not was 46%. So the numbers that we're seeing in COVID times are kind of matching what we were seeing in non-COVID times for when we place patients on VV ECMO. So then also VA ECMO. So this is for your patient that is shocky, but could also be having respiratory issues. So it's gonna provide 
a supportive therapy for both your cardiac and your respiratory function. So it's gonna support circulation. It's gonna actively pump um, the blood for the patient. Um, it's gonna support the hypoxia and the hypercarbia the same way that VV ECMO does. It's gonna have an oxygenator that delivers oxygen. And then there's gonna be um, a sweep flow that's gonna help pull that CO2 out. So this is, this is what you would typically consider total life support. So then going back to the ELSO, their recommendations for placing um, COVID patients on VA ECMO is the same as their recommendation for placing um, any other patient that you would be considering for VA ECMO, so a refractory shock state. And they define that by persistent hypoperfusion while you're receiving um, norepinephrine or dorbutamine and you're getting to super high levels and you're still not able to perfuse these patients. So the research for VA ECMO in COVID patients is not quite as robust as what we've seen for VV ECMO patients, which isn't surprising because we just don't put as many patients on VA ECMO as we do VV ECMO. So there's some case studies out there and some expert opinion, and it kind of has mixed results. But um, just kind of going back to the LSO, they do recommend that if you have a patient who is in refractory shock, they should be considered for VA ECMO. And I feel like this slide kind of wraps up um, ECMO during COVID times pretty well because we all know that ECMO is super labor intensive, um, requires a lot of specialist care, requires a lot of um, nurses to be at the bedside for extended period of time. So it's very resource intensive. So this is from um, the COVID-19 Critical Care Consortium. It's a, it's a study called ECMO Card. They've also bundled up with the LSO people to work on this, but they're doing um, a data collection for all the critically ill COVID patients that they can get data on. So it's looking at ventilator usage, ECMO, phase oppressors, and kind of collecting like the whole big picture story. So what they're recommending, and like we spoke before, apply the best conventional pre-intensive pre care, pre-ECMO. So doing everything you can to optimize that patient with whatever capabilities your facility has. And then the use intelligent patient selection. So just like everything else, especially in COVID, um, limited resources, there was tons of talk about you know, we don't have enough vents for all these people that are going to be sick. Um, there's even less ECMO circuits. So using really intelligent patient selection, using those ELSO recommendations. And if you happen to be at a non-ECMO facility and you see a patient that is headed that direction, um, the ELSO is recommending that you start considering transporting them out if their P to F is less than 100. And also to look at um, exclusion criteria because you want to pick the people that it's going to benefit most. So if people are um, of advanced age, they have multiple comorbidities, or if they're already starting to show signs of organ dysfunction, they may not be the best candidate for ECMO in this situation. Um, and another recommendation was to look at your staffing and cohort your ECMOs. So if you have your ECMO patients scattered throughout your hospital um, and you've got a lot of COVID ECMOs, obviously cohorting them, get all the specialists together so they're not having to travel all over the hospital and they can kind of focus their care in one area to try and make um, lessen the burden a little bit. So next we're just gonna go to a couple of questions. 
that were submitted. Um, the first one is, can patients be prone while they're on ECMO? Um, we all know that prone therapy has been um, kind of a game changer in COVID. And um, can these patients still be prone? Absolutely. You can prone a patient while they're still on ECMO. But again, you have to look at your resources and what your capabilities are. Um, it, like proning patients in general is fairly resource intensive. Now you add it on the ECMO circuit and it become even more resource intensive. So you wanna make sure that you're gonna do it safely, um, but you can do it, but you don't wanna do it in a situation where you don't have the resources that you need to do it. And then another one, is there an increased risk of clotting the ECMO circuit in patients with COVID-19? So we've seen a lot of these patients being hypercoagulable and um, for patients that um, in any condition, when you put them on ECMO, they're gonna need anticoagulation. So again, going back to the ELSO recommendations that they're going to um, recommend that you do continue using anticoagulation with these patients. And they want you to consider possibly targeting the higher end of the normal ECMO parameters for things like heparin drips or it. Um, or gatraban or whatever, whatever is appropriate for you, the patient that you're taking care of. They um, caution with low flow rates because obviously there's a higher risk of clotting off. And they also suggest maybe even considering adding in an antiplatelet agent to kind of help with that risk of clotting in the ECMO circuit for the COVID-19 patient. Just wanted to thank everyone for joining us today. Um, I hope you got some great information out of this and thank you for DKB Med for having me back. Okay, great. Thanks again, Erin. If you're tuning into our webcast, please click the red claim credit button in the webinar console to attest for credit. Otherwise, please visit covid19.dkbmed.com. Any questions or issues, feel free to email us at the address listed. To submit questions, please send them to qa at dkbmed.com. That's Q as in question, A as in answer, at dkbmed.com. Again, thanks for joining us and thank you for your dedication to your patients with COVID-19.